Welcome in to the podcast for all fans of the best basketball league in the world. For the next 24 minutes, everything you need to know about the NBA is given to you in the simplest of ways, straight to the point. No overloads of stats or articles, just telling it like it is so that even a non-NBA fan becomes a fanatic. So get ready. Warm-ups just ended, and the possession arrow belongs to... Don't talk like one of them. You're not. Even if you'd like to be. To them, you're just a freak. Like me. They need you right now. But when they don't, they'll cast you out. Like a leper. See, their morals, their code. It's a bad joke. I'm dropped at the first sign of trouble. See, I'm not a monster. I'm just ahead of the curve. You know, there's a reason why we start this week's episode in that sort of a fashion. I've made a reference or two to the late great actor Heath Ledger and his portrayal and role as the Joker in The Dark Knight back in 2007, I want to say. And I think it... If there's any time I can fit that on here, I will. And boy, howdy, today's topic is something that is certainly going to fit the bill. Because we're going to be talking a lot about the Joker. And I don't mean the cartoon character. Now, obviously, you know I'm talking about Nikola Jokic. And that's something that I don't get to talk about a lot on here. And and that's to my own fault. It's my show. I make the content. And I am a big Jokic fan. But at the same time, I think I fall under the same laziness, maybe, the same blindness, as The weekend would say, that sort of non-recognition towards a guy and a talent like Jokic because he's on the West Coast. I don't watch him all that often. When he's on national TV, he's on the 10 o'clock game and we're all going to bed. But I think I'm going to give the devil his due here. I'm going to play the Joker's game, and I'm going to recognize him for at least half of the next 24 minutes. And I can't wait for it, because today we're talking the MVP race. And I think we're getting to the point now where, if you ask me, only one of the guys I'm going to talk about when it comes to this race and who I think should win and why and the rankings as to how they're going to shape out, if you ask me, if if you gave me the vote. To me, that race is really kind of decided by now. I don't think anything's going to change. If Philadelphia ends up becoming the one seed, okay, people kind of expected them to be there. If the Nuggets are a middle-seeded team in the playoffs, okay, that's where they were when they lost Jamal Murray. There's one guy who we'll get to in this MVP conversation that, depending on how his team finishes in the playoff picture, or in the standings, I should say at least, that'll depend on my gravitation towards him as an MVP, not only candidate, but front runner. But we'll get to that when we get there. But we have to start with Nikola Jokic. I mean, this guy, like I said, undervalued, underrecognized. I don't even know if that's a word. Unrecognized. He's not unrecognized. He's had some recognition as far as all-star appearances, as far as 
little five-second clips you see on Bleacher Report or House of Highlights, whatever. You see those. And that's part of the NBA coverage now. But you know who else gets things like that? Guys like LaMelo Ball. And that's not a, a jab at LaMelo Ball, but in a season like this where LaMelo Ball was a rookie, a very good one at that, he should be maybe – he's a rookie of the year candidate maybe, but but at the same – do you get my point? My point is is that Nikola Jokic is playing at an MVP level and you're getting the same treatment as some guys who make good plays every once in a while. Or the Hornets just get on there because their announcer is an ass. Yeah, that's coming from a guy who went to broadcasting school. I think their announcer is an ass, but that's for another that, – that's not for this podcast. Anyway, I digress. Let's get back to the point at hand here. If you gave me a vote today, Nikola Jokic is the 2020-2021 MVP of the NBA regular season. To me, he takes the crossover values of what the most valuable player really should embody. People will make the case that LeBron should have 15 MVPs or however many numbers you want to give to him. And you know what? I see the side. I really do. The most valuable player in basketball is LeBron James because he's the best player. And then you have the people that I'm lean more on the side of, and that is that really looks at value. The word valuable. Oh, well, LeBron's valuable too. Yes, he is, but in the same right, the Lakers, the way they're playing without him and Anthony Davis, they've been able to tread not only above water, but keep themselves at a pretty decent position in the Western Conference standings. I thought they'd drop lower, but they're still hovering around that four or five spot, which is where they were when LeBron went down. So I don't know if they could keep that mark for 72 games or even 82 games in a regular year. But maybe this year the word value doesn't really apply to LeBron, which is nice because it clears up the race for a guy like Nikola Jokic, who has shown his value to be so much more than I think anybody has thought. He's not only showing his value as the centerpiece at center, For a team like the Nuggets, who made the Western Conference Finals last season, for a team that is very relatively young still, and for a team that, when Jamal Murray went down, sure, I think a lot of people, including myself, count them out for the championship picture, but I didn't expect them to have a huge drop-off when it when it came to their regular season production and maybe their ability to make it to the second or even the conference final in the West. There's still a lot of talent on that Nuggets team. Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr. has really come on as late as, as Murray became injured. Michael Porter Jr. has picked up his play a lot. But the constant throughout the entire season has been Nikola Jokic. And it goes without saying that I'm going to get more into Joel Embiid and his MVP case because he is on my list. He deserves to be. He he's play, He's had his best season of his career. But to everyone that wants to look at stats, and I say it in the introduction and I say it in the outro every episode, I don't like to use stats. I don't like to use stats because to me this podcast is really targeted towards being a conversational one at where I could have this kind of a podcast and talk this kind of way at a restaurant with a few buddies having some drinks. I could have this in the middle of a basketball court playing pickup 
you know, when we're on break or whatever. I want this to be sort of like a conversation you'd hear or want to have with a fellow NBA fan. So that's why, you know, you're in the middle of one of those situations. You're not going to bring up that Joel Embiid doesn't have as good of a free throw percentage or a player efficiency rating as Nikola Jokic. Well, guess what? That's actually true this season. In fact, for everyone that wants to say that the only difference between Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid this season when it comes to their statistical production, let me just read you a little something. And this is out of character for me, like I've already prefaced to you, but you know, for everyone that wants to say that, oh, Jokic only has the assists, and that's because they, he gets the ball more and he plays more point guard. Joel Embiid, if he had the ball just as much, he could probably put up similar numbers. Yeah, well, that might be true, but when it comes to other statistical categories like three-pointers made, steals per game, assist-to-turnover ratio, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, free throw percentage, tough shot percentage, and player efficiency rating, well, oh, oh yeah, and defensive measurables per game. Yeah, Nikola Jokic has him smoked in all of those, too, at the center position. So, what do you say to that? Again, this is not me trying to take away from what Joel Embiid has accomplished thus far. Far from it, actually. My tone, obviously, because of my feelings towards the 76ers as a team and Embiid as a player maybe make it sound like that. But honestly, I think I'm just praising Jokic more. Is there some Embiid slander? Maybe. Yes, I I can admit it. Yes, because I think he demands the spotlight for himself more than he should, especially in a year like this where, sure, he's putting up the best statistical numbers of his career. He's having an MVP-type season. But at the same time, you know, what else could he do that was better than what Jokic is doing right now in the last few stretch of this game, of these games. Not much. So that's why I feel like I can have this conversation now and definitively put Jokic over Embiid. And stats don't mean everything. If stats meant everything, Russell Westbrook would be the best player in basketball. And I will never admit that and never think that's true. But also, here's something to consider. Yes, Jamal Murray's great. Yes, Michael Porter Jr. has been coming on as of late. Michael Porter Jr. hasn't shown up the entire season. Jamal Murray is hurt. Is there any other superstar to possible MVP candidates maybe another season on the Nuggets roster? No, not even close, really. Ben Simmons has really emerged not only as a defensive monster, and I was wrong about him. I I don't like to stress defense in the regular season, but his consistency through 72 games and what's looking to be 72 games, you have to applaud it. You really do. And so when that happens, and Ben Simmons was as good as he is on offense as far as with the ball in his hand and what he can do for other teammates, not shooting-wise, I still think he's – Never going to really develop that part of his game. But my point is, the Philadelphia 76ers legitimately could say they have another superstar on the team. So my question is, and this doesn't necessarily, I don't want to say this hurts Embiid, but it just helps Jokic again. Jokic has shown now that he can keep his team above water and 
basically playing at the same level that they were without Jamal Murray. Michael Porter Jr. has helped, but it's always been about Jokic. If Embiid's by himself, well, we saw kind of without Simmons, and, and Simmons was young. This was before he was drafted, and Embiid was young too. He's not as good as he is now. But we haven't really seen Embiid without one. And actually, you know what? Strike that. We have. You know what happened the last time Ben Simmons wasn't available and Joel Embiid was the only go-to option? Yeah, the 76ers got swept in the first round by the Boston Celtics, who right now are hovering in the seventh spot in the East. So... Is it bad that I have Embiid as my fourth MVP candidate? I don't think so. Why isn't he two? Because there's two guards ahead of him. I've made Jokic my clear-cut number one because I think he's just been the best mix of value and stats. But my number two, I think, is really close behind him in that category. And honestly, I think the only reason why he's number two behind Jokic is that his team is in is on the verge of not making the playoffs, or if they do, it will be in the West play-in tournament, and they might not even make it out of that because this guy has to perform so insane and so out of his mind like he has been for the last month and a half. I just don't know if he'll keep it up. He has the potential to. He has the consistency to. He has the star level to. Steph Curry could be the MVP by the end of the season, and I wouldn't really bat an eye at it. I'd have a little bit of remorse for Jokic, but God, how do you argue against what Steph Curry's doing right now? The Warriors were the worst team in basketball last year. They still don't have Klay Thompson, and look where they are now. They are in a playoff spot in the West as it stands today. Granted, it's a play-in tournament, but it's a playoff spot this year. It's like a seven-inning no-hitter. If it's an official game, it's a no-hitter. If it's a playoff spot, even if it's number nine or number eight, it's a playoff spot. They're going to have one. So if the Warriors make the playoffs after being the worst team in basketball last year, how do you really argue with one player coming back that he wasn't not only valuable, but the reason why they are where they are? Steph Curry really this season, more than ever, has shown his true value to that organization. It, of course, gets blurry with Curry, ha-ha, whenever those years went by of him being joined by the super teams. People say, oh, of course he's going to get the open looks. Of course he's going to get the, the open shots. Of course there's enough to go around when nobody knows who to guard on the team. But now Steph Curry is literally the only threat on the Golden State Warriors. And look what he's doing. He's doing better. And he's getting older. This is really something to behold. I, I, I don't want this to go unrecognized. The tone of my voice really shows that, God, I wish, there's, I don't want to say I wish, but there is part of me that does wish that Jokic wasn't in the picture because Steph Curry needs to get this recognition. And I said at the beginning of my case for Steph, if his team doesn't make the playoffs, or if his team doesn't make it even doesn't make it out of the play-in tournament. I know it's a regular season award, but come on, you got to know that they take that into consideration a little bit. They don't vote right at the regular season's end, and if they do, they know what how the team's fates are going to turn out. So, with that being said, 
if Steph can get his team to the playoffs, he has a legitimate case. Because will they make it far? Probably not. Will they make it to the finals? Absolutely not. But Steph, to get them where where he's gotten them by himself, oh, man. I'm just worried for the West whenever Clay comes back. Wiseman's there. Draymond Green will probably still be there. They might add a draft pick that could be good in the lottery if they don't make the playoffs. I don't know, man. Golden State, watch out for him because Steph Curry is really, I think, proving himself in my eyes to be arguably the best basketball point guard there is today. But there's another guy at number three who, if you ask me, could give him a run for the most valuable point guard in basketball today. That's Chris Paul. Point God. They call him that for a reason. Let's truly look at the word value, right? This guy is at number three for me because alone his value his stats are good he's in his mid-30s and he has led the phoenix suns a team that has been if you looked up the def- the definition of irrelevant in the dictionary you would see the phoenix suns logo on there they're out west they stunk yes they had a really good young player in devin booker but they had a guy in deandre ayton who people could have after last season considered a bust Right, He wasn't showing really much improvement, if any. And I've talked about the Suns enough on this podcast, but it's for good reason. I like to be right. I like to tell you when I'm right. And I like to show you why I thought I was right in the first place and why it's coming to fruition. Why did I think the Suns were going to be good? Because in seasons prior, Chris Paul had gotten teams like the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are also one of the worst teams in basketball now. They're not good. Lou Dort is still there. They're not good. The Houston Rockets, who... uh, Yeah. How about that franchise? You lose two players and... Hey, welcome to the team, uh, uh, Jalen Green or Cade Cunningham. Chris Paul's a part of that. The Clippers, the Lob City Clippers, did they underachieve? Yes. But they were still in the mix every year. And the Hornets, back when they were in New Orleans, had no business being good with Robin Lopez. No, they had no business. But they had business because they had Chris Paul. Chris Paul, wherever he's gone, has been a winner to some extent. Chris Paul... If he didn't get hurt in the 2017, I want to say, NBA Western Conference Finals, could have beaten the Golden State Warriors at their top. Actually, forgive me, it was 2016 because that was the 73-win team of the Warriors had. People want to talk about how that really adds to LeBron's legacy, but also people forget, and I'm getting off track again, but I just want to make the point, People forget that the Rockets were one game away from beating that very same team. If LeBron wins that next series against the Rockets in the finals, you don't get the iconic block. You don't get the 
the the win against the 73 win team people would still jack him and you could finish the rest of that statement people would still praise him because he won a finals but would it be as almost written out of hollywood as it was no chris paul had a lot to do with that so let's trace it back to where we started with the suns here the suns were the same team the suns didn't go out and make all the moves in the world you know they're not the number one they're not fighting for the number one seed in the west because dario sarge got signed right they're not fighting for the one seed in the west because cam johnson hailed a pit he was a pit guy before he was a unc guy all of a sudden had this big burst outburst of player development no chris paul is the one reason and one reason alone why the Phoenix Suns are where they are, and that is fighting for the one seed in the West after being one of the worst teams in basketball for years. Yes, I know. I know that the Suns went undefeated in the bubble and almost made the playoffs. But guess what? That was eight games. After so much time off and rest, after all those teams had no idea what to expect, come the bubble, and the Suns probably got lucky in that case. But here they are. This season is not luck for them. This season is all about them, and it's all about Chris Paul showing this team how to win so that when he leaves, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton come out as better players, and they can lead this organization to more success. I think everybody knew that Devin Booker was bound for success. It was just a matter of when, and now that he's found it, I don't think he's letting it go. You can thank Chris Paul for that. That's value. V-A-L-U-E. That also translates to spelling of P-A-U-L. His statistics just aren't there, and in today's NBA voting, you have to have that. But again, if Chris Paul won MVP, if you ask me, yes, I would probably raise an eyebrow, but I honestly wouldn't speak up and say, yeah, I'm pissed about that. No, I I would honestly be happy for Chris Paul because for everything he's done in his career up until this point that probably goes unrecognized in between the lines, I should say, it would be nice for him to get recognition like that. It's not going to happen this year, I don't think. It's a damn shame that that's the case. But here we are. And finally, real quick, I touched on him in the first segment, but yeah, Joel Embiid, I'll clap for him. I I will applaud him because the guy has had the best season of his career. And it's a shame that I think there's a lot of – the MVP race this year was probably the most crowded it's been in a while. And I think LeBron being hurt for the majority of the second half has a lot to do with that. But with that being said, yeah, that's just what it is. And Giannis dominating like he has the past few seasons, he's kind of had a decline, even though the the Bucs record hasn't. He's had a decline in player, you know, effectiveness in the stat sheet per se. And Joel Embiid has picked that side of his game up. But I think at the same time, Something that hurt Embiid was missing games. He missed 20 games. And in a shortened season, that's, you know, that's 15 games away from being half the season. You can't do that. And keep in mind, the Sixers are still near the top of the East, and they're still fighting for the one seed, and Joel Embiid missed games. What's that say? You know? So... I applaud him for having the effort he's had. He's gotten the Sixers to where they are. And I and it's a regular season award, so you have to base it off of that. I can't come here on this episode with my typical Sixers take of, 
oh, well, they're not going to win come playoff time, which I still don't think they will. Because when I'm talking about a regular season award, you have to put him in the conversation. But I just put him at four because there's a guy at the same position who I think is better than him this season in multiple facets. And there's two guards that have really outshone themselves on teams where they probably shouldn't have or didn't have the right to. I think Jokic wins. I don't I'm not trying to be a hipster and pick somebody different, but I do want to I did want to give those two guys in Curry and Paul the recognition I feel they deserve and really talk about them for a significant amount of time because damn, I don't I think we undervalue those guys. I truly do. We recognize their greatness, but we don't really recognize how great they are if that makes sense. I tried to do that here. It's not justifiable in 24 minutes, but I tried. <laughs> Well, it looks like the shot clock has expired. Never miss an episode of Throwing Elbows with me, Eddie D. The NBA podcast by the unlikely NBA guy can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast outlets. You can also find today's episode on YouTube. Search Throwing Elbows with Eddie D. Click on the first playlist you see. When the league's in season, so am I, as I'll be putting out new episodes every week of the NBA season. Be sure to come back next time to see what we got coming out of this timeout.